when the system of justice doesn't work, Bronson does. When the courts can't do what they must, Bronson will. Bronson, fighting all the evil that men do. Torture as a political instrument has become a subtle and sophisticated specialty. When the most savage murderer cannot be caught or stopped, there is only one man to turn to. You don't seem like the kind of man that would commission somebody's death. I'm not, but the doctor stands outside the moral laws of civilized people. Kidneys and spleen were crushed. His teeth were completely broken. When evil becomes above the law, the only law left belongs to Bronson. What are you going to do? I'm going to rattle his cage. In the execution of justice, there is no executioner like him. <laughs> Just one name. Bronson, fighting all the evil that men do. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. And what am I looking at this time? I am looking at the movie, The Evil That Men Do, 1984, starring Charles Bronson. Directed by J. Lee Thompson. Uh, those two uh, collaborated on many, uh, many, many films. This is a TriStar movie. And it starts off, the first shot we get is a slow motion Charles Bronson whipping a knife. So right off the bat, we know what kind of movie it is. Not that we wouldn't know what kind of movie it is, knowing it being a Charles Bronson movie. But once we really get into it, this movie starts off pulling no punches. We start off in South America, and there's a man walking around in a black hood, and he's talking about torture. And it's like a class, because there's people sitting in the room taking notes. To me, this is a very disturbing scene on many levels about what happens in the scene but also how it's presented. They're presenting torture as education, something you can learn, something you can pass on. And that is just terrifying and disgusting. The guy doing it is known as the doctor. And he just sounds like a college professor. Gentlemen, torture as a political instrument is no longer the crude and brutal extraction of information from one's enemies. It has become a subtle and sophisticated specialty. 
to be carried out with medical and scientific precision. Physical and psychological pain is applied in unbearable yet controlled doses to destroy the subject's will and spirit as the body clings to life. The process can take weeks, even months, during which the subject is kept trapped in a delicate, uh, shall we say, nightmare existence of terror. Now, the hood which serves to separate the interrogator and subject psychologically is not always necessary. There are times when one does without it. And when he removes the hood, this is another thing, which is, I don't want to say nice, that sounds, but really drives the point home is, when people think of evil, I think people have a picture of what's evil in their head, and it's usually ugly and disgusting, but here evil is this well-dressed, well-spoken, charming, English man who you would never in a million years if you saw him in a restaurant or if you saw him in a cafe or if you saw him just walking down the street you would think that he is one of the most evil men in the world I think they're projecting anybody can be evil be on the lookout doesn't matter what anybody looks like just be prepared and the scene goes on, they grab a man out of a room full of people, and they bring him into the room, and he's strapped to this, it looks like an iron swing. So it's he's sitting on an iron bar, and his hands are tied uh, to these chains, and they, put a, they strip him naked, and they put electrodes on his genitals. And they basically, they turn on the electricity, and they torture him. Now, while this is happening... There are people across the street spying on this house where it's happening. And while they're doing this, a man runs from this house over to the, to the torture house and slides under the car and starts putting a bomb under the car. So from what I've gathered and what happened was, these people know that the doctor is there. They want to kill the doctor, so they're putting a bomb under his car. We cut back to the torture just to make a long story short, the man dies. So this was not even to extract any information. This was a class on torture. This is the equivalent, that man was the equivalent of dissecting a frog. He just showed him how to do that. He just basically with electricity turned the guy's insides into jelly. The man leaves, the doctor leaves with one of his bodyguards and this woman. We don't know who this woman is at this point. He walks out of the house, and he gets into a different car. He doesn't get into the car that they are wiring with a bomb. He gets into a different car. He drives away, and then somebody else gets into the car with the bomb, and that car blows up, along with the man under the car trying to set the bomb. The guy under the car is wiring a bomb. He realizes that the guy is getting into a car. He tries to escape, I don't know anything about bombs or building bombs, but wouldn't it have been better just to maybe rip out all the wires? Maybe you couldn't do it that way. I don't know. Anyway, the doctor doesn't get blown up, but somebody else gets blown up, and the guy trying to blow up the doctor gets blown up. Now we cut to the sunny 
Cayman Islands. And we see Charles Bronson walking along the beach. And he's talking to this giant catfish. Hello, Quasimodo. Catfish's name is Quasimodo. Charles Bronson looks good. He looks relaxed. He looks content. He looks like he's enjoying whatever life he's living at that moment. Well, while that's happening, uh, a boat pulls up and a gentleman named Hector gets out. Hector was a friend of George. George was the man who was tortured and killed by the doctor. George was a journalist writing about the doctor, trying to get people to do something about the doctor. That's why he was killed. I guess that's, I said he was killed for no reason. I guess that's why he was killed, but they weren't extracting information. Like I said, he was just a demonstration. Bronson and George were friends. Of course, the character Bronson plays, he's an ex-killer. Now, the one thing about, usually when you get a movie about an ex-killer, it's like, you were a Marine, and you got this medal, and you got that medal, and you were trained in this, and you were trained in that. We don't get any background on Bronson. We don't even get a last name. He's just called Holland. His character's name in this movie is Holland. All we know about Bronson in this movie is he was a friend of George, and he's an ex-killer. Hector wants to hire Bronson to go kill the doctor. The doctor has a lot of protection. It's, you can't get to the doctor. You have a certain set of skills that we need. One of those deals. And just to sweeten the deal, the guy brought a bunch of videotapes and about people who were tortured by the doctor, who survived. And they go through them, and they go through like five or six and they're all really, really graphic. Not showing, but speaking. That you're hearing what happened to them. And it's really, really graphic what they're describing. They really want to pound home that this guy is evil. And I think that was established when he put electrodes on a man's genitals and killed him with electricity. You don't get much worse than that. And another thing that these were all on videotape and Bronson was watching them and all the people talking, they all looked fine. I'm thinking if you're going to do this scene where you're showing, the, show some scars, show something, not just tell us what happened, show if you can. This scene was just to reinforce how evil the doctor is. And Bronson says, I'm not going to do it. I'm retired. And Hector leaves. Now we cut to Guatemala. And the doctor and the woman are entering a military office. And here we find out that the woman is his sister, Claire. Even though she's his sister, throughout the movie, you just get a feeling that there is something else going on between them besides brother and sister. It's never spoken of. Just the way that they act in the movie, you think, okay, there's something else going on between these two. They go into this office, and the military man wants them out of the country. The doctor is bringing too much heat. There are a lot of human rights activists that want this. Because the military in the country is using the doctor to extract information from people they need information from. So the government is using the doctor. Well, now it's getting too hot, so they want the doctor to leave. And the doctor is pissed. 
because he likes it there. So he's going to try to stay. We cut back. Hector, not only is he a doctor, but he is also a lecturer. So we cut to him. He's lecturing in college. Bronson shows up and he's like, he's going to do the job. Like he knew he was from the beginning. So there was really no, I'm retired. All right. You knew that wasn't going to last. Bronson, he's going to fly to, uh, fly to South America and he wants to appear as a family man. So who is the best person to get for the job? Rihanna. That's George's ex-wife. That's right. He's bringing the guy who was murdered. He's going to bring his wife and his daughter to the country that, you know, where their husband and where their father was murdered. It's just... That's not going to turn out well. It's not, it's a bad idea. You, you, he keeps saying you're too emotionally involved, yet he goes along with it. It's just, it, uh, no. Because here's the thing with me. One, okay, if you want to go as a husband and wife, that's fine. But you're telling me, this little girl, she's about eight or nine in the movie. She's supposed to pretend that this man she never met, she's just known for a couple days, and their lives depend on it, she has to pretend that this man is her father. That's a lot to ask from a child. But they go anyway, and they fly in, they have fake passports. I guess Bronson took care of that. Uh, he had connections. I don't know. It's not explained. While they land at the airport, uh, this man is running through the airport, and he ends up getting gunned down. I guess that scene was to show that it's dangerous there. You have to watch your step. We all knew that. This movie does a lot to reinforce stuff we already know. And once they check into a very, very nice hotel, and they call Max, and Max is an informant. So Max is their go-between. He's how everybody was getting the information about George and the doctor and what was happening. Charles Bronson goes to Max's house. And we get a, Max gives us a lowdown on who's protecting the doctor. The doctor has three men in particular who never leave his side. Everyone a thoroughly trained assassin. Randolph Whitley, a former intelligence officer. He's the doctor's communications expert. He likes to spend his off hours in the filthiest dives in the barrier. Carl Hausman. Green Beret originally, then he was with the CIA before the doctor hired him away. This one is a mystery. He's called Chilero. He's probably Basque. He's Moloch's chauffeur. And then there is Moloch himself, the doctor. I don't suppose he needs any introduction. It's a cozy little family. They find out that the doctor likes to go to the cockfights, so that's where they go, so that's where Max and Bronson and his wife, quote-unquote wife, is going. I don't know where the daughter is. They obviously left her with someone, which I don't think is wise, too. They do a lot of stuff in this movie that endangers a child. It's really, really bad. They go to the cockfight, and they see the doctor has a has a booth or, or whatever, you know, he has a box, that's it, a box above the cockfight, and he's there, and all his bodyguards are there, and his sister's there, 
and they immediately see uh, Bronson and his wife. I guess because they've never seen him before, that's why they picked them out. So while they're staring, you know, while they're checking out Bronson and his wife with binoculars, the wife, Rihanna, is looking directly at the doctor with this look of anger and pain and just, just like, how, she's already, she's, she's trying to blow, she's going to blow this. I mean, it's just, she's just making it harder. You know, he wanted to go there to blend in. She is doing everything in her power not to blend in. She gets sick and she gets up and leaves and Bronson and Max follow her out and one of uh, the doctor's bodyguards sends this guy to trail him. So they go back to the hotel. The guy trails him to the hotel. He's a cripple at that point. He's got a he's got a crutch and one of his ankles is turned in. So he's walking with a crutch and a limp. Bronson hears him come. Bronson is sleeping on the floor. So we set this up. Bronson is sleeping on the floor in the living room of the hotel room. And he hears this guy coming a mile away. Good ears on Bronson. And the guy comes up to their door and Bronson is about to jump into action and he pulls the covers over and apparently one of the child's toys with a bell on it. Bronson makes a noise. It scares the guy away. Bronson walks out. He sees the guy limping away. So now the next day, they're going on recon. They're checking out the doctor's house. Very, very heavily guarded. And once again, it's Bronson and Max, Rihanna, his wife, and they bring the kid. They bring the kid along on recon. If they could leave the kid with somebody not going to a cockfight, you don't need to bring the kid along on recon. Now, at this point, Rihanna's on her high horse. Well, you're a killer. It's like all the stuff that she wanted Bronson to come do, she's appalled by. You wanted him to do this. You were part of this scheme to get Bronson to come kill the man who killed your husband. So I have no, this get off your high horse. And while they're having all this talk about killing and they're passing guns back and forth, the kid is in the front seat listening and seeing all of this. This kid is going to be scarred for life. Really, when, when we get later in the film, it's really going to happen to her. Worst mother of the year award. Bronson leaves the car. He sends all of them back to the hotel and he stays there all day. And it's a night stakeout. And while he's staking out the place, the guy with the limp shows up, but he no longer has a limp. He's talking to one of the doctor's bodyguards. And I didn't mention this before, but Bronson can read lips. That's one of the things he can do. And he reads the guy's lips. And from what he can tell is that the guy says that they are tourists. So they haven't raised any red flags yet. They believe that Bronson and Rihanna are a married couple there with their daughter. Bronson says, I don't need you here anymore to Rihanna. You and your daughter should leave. I'm going to count how many times she messes this up. She's like, no, I want to stay here till the end. So instead of at least sending her daughter home, now the daughter is with Max. So Max is watching the daughter Bronson and Rihanna are back at the doctor's house. They're going to do more little recon. One of the doctor's bodyguards, the big guy, Randolph, he leaves and they start trailing him. And the first stop he makes is to the American embassy. And they go to this guy, what's his name? Briggs. 
They go to this guy named Briggs, played by John Glover. And I know John Glover from Batman and Robin. He was the evil scientist that gave Poison Ivy her powers. He's been in a lot of stuff, but that's the thing. Also, Gremlins 2, he plays the evil businessman. Well, apparently Glover has been using the doctor as well. And now the bodyguard is telling Glover that he needs to pull some strings to keep the doctor in this country. He likes it here. He doesn't want to leave. Glover doesn't want to do it. The guy insists. Briggs, being a you know spineless bureaucrat, I'll see what I can do. So the doctor is working for, it's established that the doctor is working for everybody. He's working for the South American military. He's working for the American government. I'm sure if you had the money, he would freelance. So now we know that the doctor has his thumbs in a lot of pies. And now the doctor is calling in favors. He's done work for them. He wants something in return. The bodyguard leaves. Charles Bronson and Rihanna follow him. He goes to a dive. He goes to this dive bar. Number two. Okay, this is number two. He's like, go back to the hotel. I don't want you getting hurt. Nope, I'm going to go with you. So this is the second time she's put herself in danger and Bronson in danger because now Bronson has to not only look after him, he has to look after her. They go into the bar. This drunk asshole tries to pick up Bronson's quote-unquote wife while Bronson is at the bar getting a beer. And Bronson just grabs the guy by the nuts and just twists and twists and twists till this guy passes out. It's really a fun scene to watch. Just Bronson just hanging on for dear life and this guy just... and passes out. Well, the bodyguard sees this. He's impressed with that. He walks up to Bronson and his wife. Bronson is like, hey, you're American. We're American. Why don't you come over and have a seat? And this is, I love this scene. Because a lot of people say that Bronson can't act. He can act. Bronson is an actor. And Bronson picks up this guy. Well, here, listen to the scene. My name's Bart Smith. My wife, Nancy. Hello, Nancy. I'm Randolph. What are you all doing in here, anyway? Hey, what are you, tourists? Sorry. This is not your usual tourist attraction. No, no, we're not your usual tourists. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Life just gets dull and uh, nothing like a little variety to spice things up. That's right. You know, Nancy and me, we come from a small town up in Nebraska. And we always have to go someplace else for excitement and variety, you know? Well, tell me, Bart, uh, just um, what kind of excitement are you looking for? You know, me and Nancy, we've been into a lot of things. And we've learned tricks you wouldn't believe. We've been into things like wife swapping and... You married? No, I'm divorced, but remember Three's company and four is definitely a crowd. Man, I am down for anything or anybody. Three's all right with me. <laughs> it's definitely all right with me. You got a place? <laughs> you bet. I totally believe Bronson is a guy from Nebraska trying to pick up a guy to have a threesome with him and his wife. 
Now, during the scene, Rihanna, Bronson's wife, has this look of horror on her face. Like she doesn't want to be there. And this is totally disgusting to her. Bronson has just gone through that they do this all the time. She should be relaxed. She should be confident. This should be something that she wants. If this guy was paying any sort of attention, the expression on her face would let him know that there's something going wrong. Something horribly, horribly wrong. They go back to uh, Bronson's apartment, and Bronson just whips a knife into his throat. Ooh. And it's... The guy grabs the knife out of his throat and starts crawling towards Bronson. And I know this scene was supposed to build some tension because Bronson just keeps backing up and backing up and backing up. It's, it's kind of comical. It looks kind of comical. The Bronson backing up from this guy bleeding all over the place. The guy finally stumbles into the bathroom and dies. And, you know, Bronson puts him in the shower. And then the wife comes in. And once again, she's like, oh, I can't believe you were going to kill him. It's like, what did you expect? This is what you hired me to do. I must admit that the wife character, the Rihanna character, George's wife's character, is really, really, she's not a good female character. She's mostly annoying, and she mostly comes across as a horrible mother. I know your husband is dead, but now you have to protect your daughter. The only thing that means anything to you in your life now. But she doesn't. Bronson tells her, now it's time for you and your daughter to go. Because things are heating up. And he loads her into the car, drive over to Max's, get your daughter, fly out, call me when you get to the States. Then we cut to Bronson. He has put the bodyguard into the trunk of his car. He drives to the doctor's place. He dumps the body in front of the doctor's place, shoots out the lights, then drives away. Everybody at the doctor's house freaks out. The doctor now knows somebody's after him, and he is scared. He's this typical, he's the typical villain where he's a spineless coward if somebody's not tied up in front of him. If somebody's after him, he's as craven as they come. Well, it turns out that Bronson gets a call. She hasn't left. So this is the third time. She's like, I can't leave. Once again, I got to stay here until I know my husband's killer is dead. I'm going to endanger myself, and I'm going to endanger my daughter. Either my daughter can get killed, and I won't have a daughter, or I can get killed, and my daughter won't have a, a mother now that her father is gone, or both of us can get killed. Terrible, terrible, terrible mother. And Bronson's like, fine, stick around to the end. But there's no turning back now. Now the second bodyguard the doctor is sent out to find out what happened to Randolph, the first bodyguard. And the second bodyguard, he's at the bar where Bronson and the first bodyguard was. He's asking question, and as he walks out, uh, Bronson just gets him in a chokehold. Boom, he's gone. He's done. So I just thought it was funny. We had that scene. All of the bodyguards get taken out with relative ease. We get this buildup of these are big, badass men. First one gets a knife in the throat, he's gone. The second one gets choked out. I'm assuming that he's dead because we never see him again in the movie. He's gone, so all these all these elite fighting men are just taken out very, very easily. We go back to the Capitol. The doctor is with Briggs. He wants to find out what's going on. He thinks that it's the government 
He thinks it's the South American government coming after him because he refuses to leave. He doesn't know the gist of what's going on. And uh, Briggs is going to, Briggs, the guy from the American consulate, he's going to help him find out what's going on. Bronson is back in front of the doctor's house and he sees the doctor and his sister in the limo and they're talking. He can read lips, reading the lips of the doctor and his sister, finding out what they're doing during that day. And the doctor gets out of the limo and the guy drives the sister away. From reading her lips, he knows where they're going and what hotel room they're going to be in. Or an apartment. It's not a hotel room. She has an apartment. So Bronson finds out where it is and he gets there before them. And then the sister shows up with the third bodyguard, who's the chauffeur. And this young lady in the lobby just gets up and starts walking with them. So the bodyguard stays in the lobby of the apartment building. The sister and the young lady go up to the apartment. Bronson's caught by surprise. I don't know how he was caught by surprise. He knew that they were coming. Well, maybe he, I guess he was caught by surprise that the young lady showed up. And her not being involved with this, he didn't want to hurt her. Well, it turns out that the lady, the young lady is the sister's lover. And Bronson hides under the bed. And he is under the bed while those two make love. On top of him, they get done, the younger woman dresses, and she leaves. Once she leaves, the bodyguard in the lobby sees her leave, so he goes up to the apartment. While he goes up to the apartment, he pulls out a bag of marijuana and rolls himself a joint. And while he is rolling the joint, Bronson just, Bronson just kicks his ass with basically one punch, and he falls over the couch. And if you remember from the clip I played earlier, they make him out as the most mysterious one. Well, here's one we don't know anything about. He's the most mysterious. You think that he might be the one that gives Bronson... Nothing. None of these bodyguards give Bronson any trouble whatsoever. Boom, 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 bow, bow, bow. He just knocks this guy. And what he does is he takes the fire hose from the hall and wraps it around the guy's neck and places him on the railing in the lobby. Why? Because what he does is he grabs the sister and while he's walking out of the apartment building, he kicks the guy off the balcony in a glorious dummy shot. And the guy falls down all the stories and he gets hung by the, by the hose. Bronson takes the sister back to Max's house and Max says that he has a summer home that nobody knows about and that's where they head. And Bronson says to Max, you need to get the daughter out of the country because they're probably going to connect you through me. So everybody's in trouble now. The fit has hit the shan. And we cut to the doctor's house. And once again, they found out about Max. And now the doctor is going to send his men after Max. And now we go back to the summer house where Bronson is with his wife, Rihanna. And we have this scene, how did my husband meet somebody like you? And once again, you figure this scene, maybe it would explain how Bronson and George met, what Bronson did, how he got his skills. None of it's explained. Bronson just talks around and around in circles. It's supposed to be a poignant touching, not touching, but it's it's a throwaway scene. We don't learn anything from this quote-unquote tender moment. After the tender moment, we cut to Max, and they got the Max. Oh, I forgot to say, they did get the Max, but Bronson makes a phone call to Max's house. Nobody picks up the phone, so he assumes that Max and the daughter got off safe. That couldn't be farther from the truth. The doctor is there with his men, and he is torturing Max, and he's tortured Max, and he has found out where Bronson is. He knows that they're in the summer house. 
Bronson has taken the sister. He had her tied up in a closet. He takes her out and he calls the doctor. And while he calls the doctor, he tapes the conversation. And I have no idea why. I mean, it comes into play later in the movie. That can't be... The reason they use the recording later can't be the reason that he recorded it because the reason they use it later... they ha- uh, Anyway, it was just an odd... It was convenience. The tape recording of the call is convenience to help out with the plot with what happens later in the film. But he calls the doctor. This is what he says to him. somebody here that belongs to you, Moloch. How is she? Have you heard her? Ask her. Hello? Hello? Clement, it's me. Are you all right, Claire? Clement, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I'm so sorry. What do they want? That'll be enough of that. After all, I'm paying for this call. If it's me you're after, you should have the courage to come get me. Don't flatter yourself, Moloch. I'm after money. Cold, hard cash. How much? Let's say about a half a million dollars, large and small bills. What makes you think I have that kind of money? Well, if you don't have it, you better find a way of getting it, or you won't see your sister alive again. Say goodbye to your brother. Clement! Clement! I, um, I'll need time. A few more hours. He knows we're here. How could you tell? He didn't ask. Bronson runs out to the balcony, sees these cars approaching. So he grabs his wife, he grabs the sister, he throws the sister in the back of a car, and now we have a car chase. We have a car gun chase. Bang, bang, screech, bang, bang, screech. This goes on for about five minutes. Not the best car chase scene I've ever seen, but not the worst. Well, they escape these guys. Bronson's able to blow them up, but he crashes his car, and when he checks in the trunk of the car the sister is now dead so his bargaining chip is dead they run across a farmer bronson agrees to buy the farmer's truck to help him get to the city to help him get to this little city where he wants to set up the ambush of the doctor now while this is happening a plane comes in and briggs meets the plane and it's a hitman it's a professional hitman the doctor wanted this guy so this guy is the best He flies in. He's going to take care of business. He's going to take care of Bronson. And Briggs, for some reason, Briggs knows where they're going. I don't know how, but Briggs and this guy, this hitman, is able to follow Bronson and his wife. It's very, very unclear how he has all this information. While while Bronson and his wife are driving to the city, the truck stalls, and once again we have a scene between the two. It never gets romantic, which is great. I love it. Great. Bronson's not sleeping with the wife of his dead friend. That is fantastic. 
This woman is trying to extract information from Bronson, and he just doesn't give anything up. And maybe that's his character. Maybe that's his character. He doesn't give anything up. Usually in movies like this, the uh, the hardened hitman softens a little when he's around people who aren't in his profession. Not Bronson. He stays tight-lipped through this entire movie. And once again, she wants to back out, and he's like, nope, you had like four chances to leave. You're in this now. You can't, no. The next day, they are walking, and they walk, and while they're walking, I just want to say that Bronson has a sawed-off shotgun sticking out of the back of a backpack. He's not even trying to hide it. He's walking around with this. They walk past the cemetery. They ask what's going on. All these men were mutilated. Once it's connected to the doctor, they're still trying to convince us that the doctor is an evil, evil man. And we are like an hour and 15 minutes into this hour and a half movie. And they're still trying to punch that point home. We know the doctor is evil. We don't need any more information about this. Well, they finally walk into town. And Briggs and the hitman have gotten there before him. This movie is just a series of people getting to places before the other people get to places. But when you think about it, there's really no way for them to get to the places before the other people get to the places. But they do. And there's this little cafe. Bronson walks in and he gets a beer. And then Briggs and this hitman walk in. And they get a beer. And then we get this confrontation. Caliente, what do you do? Recycle the stuff from the John? Hey, you're in my friend's house. Show some respect or get the hell out. Let's stop blowing the smoke. You've got what we want. We'll pay. I only deal with Moloch. Where is he? Fuck him. What do you care? Just so long as you get the money, right? That's being smart. Now let's talk about a more reasonable price. Well, you know, I was thinking, I'd like to have a Mercedes and a, a ranch in Malibu and maybe a hairdressing place up there in Aspen. You know what I mean? My client's willing to go 200 grand tops. What? You expect me to rent? Look, we're talking serious business. Shut There's up, asshole. It's not money you want, is it, Holland? You're too smart for the job, Janelle. So once again, this hitman, who's one of the best, they fly him in. Bronson takes care of him like that. He has to use an extra shotgun shell because he was clever enough to wear a bulletproof vest. But that's it. Maybe Bronson didn't want to get mussed up in this movie. You know what? Hey, I don't want to be touched. I just want to take care of everybody very, very simply. Because there is no opposition to Bronson. None. He takes care of everybody like you're swatting away a fly. That's how he takes care of these trained military bodyguard men who kill for a living. Well, he calls the doctor. 
He says, everybody's fucking dead. You come alone. Bronson tells him to go to this, these mines. The town is by this little mining community. And there's a road that leads to him. And Bronson and the wife get there. And they think it's going to be alone. He's going to ambush him. He's going to shoot him. It's going to be over. But he's not. Once he gets there, there's a bunch of men there mining, trying to, trying to find anything to help feed their family. Well, the doctor pulls up. And he starts yelling for his sister. And now what Bronson does, he's had, he has his sister's voice on the tape recorder. And he starts playing it in the caves. And once you play it in the caves, the echo goes everywhere. So you can't really tell where it's coming from. And this is the reason that they had the tape. There's no reason for him to record this. He did not know this was going to happen. Convenient writing, people. Convenient writing 101. The doctor is freaking out. He wants his sister back. And guess what? The doctor has her daughter. That's right. Her daughter. The one she continually put in danger's way is now in danger's way. So it's the doctor and his driver. The driver has a gun next to the daughter's head. Fair trade, the kid for my sister. And I want to go back. I I think the doctor was trying to be too clever for his own good. Because back when he got the phone call, all he had to do was put the daughter on the phone. It's like, I got her, you got my sister. Because at that point, he knew his sister was alive. He just talked to her. Let's do the exchange. But he tried to be clever. What he wanted to do was get his sister back and still keep the daughter. Well, it didn't work out too well for him. Because all the men... And this is the deal. All the men in the mining company know the doctor. You, you just hear him mumbling, the doctor, the doctor, the doctor. Apparently, this doctor has tortured every single person in South America. There's no paragenitals untouched. He has electrified them all because everybody knows the doctor. And the ending is really, really odd. The doctor is standing outside his car. All these men start coming out of the minds they start converging on him he won't leave because he wants to have a sister but he still has the daughter and the men don't care about the daughter they see this little girl in trouble they still keep marching towards the doctor bronson doesn't know what to do all of a sudden one of the guys throws a rock hits the driver in the head who's holding the gun on the daughter he gets distracted bronson shoots him in the head the daughter runs around, runs into the mother's arms, and then the doctor gets into his car. So as I said before, this kid is going to be traumatized for the rest of her fucking life because her mother wouldn't let a professional do it his way. Now the doctor is trapped in the car and all these miners start tearing the car apart with their picks and their axe and they just rip the car apart and they just kill the doctor with their now there's a scene where they're all they're all crunched in the car hitting the doctor with their picks but since they're in the car they can only move their arms a few inches and it looks ridiculous it looks ridiculous how they just maim and kill this man this man it's it's a it's a lackluster death for a man they set up to be so evil in this movie you wanted to see Bron actually you didn't want to see Bronson you wanted to see the wife kill him that would have been the thing. Bronson gives a gun to the wife. Or, you know, you want to see... Or the wife forgives him. I don't know. It's just... 
you didn't want to see it end the way it ended. You want to see it come down between good and evil, between Bronson and the doctor or the wife and the doctor. It doesn't happen. These people that we introduce five minutes before the movie ends end up killing the doctor. And Bronson and his wife and the kid, they just walk away. You cut back to Guatemala, not Guatemala. You cut back to the Cayman Islands. They're on his beach. They're visiting him. They're buddies now. And the movie ends with this syrupy, sweet sitcom music. That's right. People have been killed. People have been tortured. This woman has no husband. This child has no father. Hey, how about a peppy tune at the end of this movie? And it's like, and that was the evil that men do. And I, I got a little on my, I got on my little high horse there at the end of the uh, review, into the podcast. But I really, really enjoyed the movie. Uh, Bronson is at his best here. I like him. It's got a nice pace. Something is always happening. I'm not too thrilled with the ending. I wish the ending was better. But for the most part, it's an enjoyable watch if you're a Bronson fan. But just to let you know that there are some very, very gruesome scenes in this movie that you need to look out for. But I would recommend this movie. I enjoyed it. And that's another episode of the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. I am your host, Scott White. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out my other episodes, and I will see everybody here next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. (laughs) 